Lights, camera, action. When a script is written that is so bad, no one will film it. These brave podcasters will bring it to life just so they can mock it. This is Table Reads. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Table Reads with Sean McBee, Jeff Lewis, and Joshua Baker. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Table Reads. I don't know what time you're listening to this. I'm just going to assume that this is what you do uh, when you when you're going to bed. That you want to fall asleep to our dulcet tones. Nah, they're making love to their sweet husbands or lady husbands. Melodious. That's a Jeff over there. That's a Joshua over there. I'm a Josh. I'm a Josh. I gestured at You're them a- like people could see. <laughs> That's why I was confused. As a You're a Jeff. Is how I assimilate his uh, identity. <laughs> we are Josh. So uh, we're we're back for part two of Indiana Jones 3. Quite possibly the best Indiana Jones that has ever been written. I don't know why they didn't go with this. You were already in a much better mood than <laughs> this time, and I'm, I'm excited to go on this journey. With am you. I in a better mood, I, or am I better at self-denial? I think he ate something. I think he was really hungry last time. Like, I just... Uh, You've grown a lot as a person. <laughs> Well, let's, You've come a long way in your therapy. Let's see if maybe I'm just forgetting shit because, you know, maybe when we get caught up, I'm going to be like, oh, that's right. Oh, no, he's going to get pissed in the previous. <laughs> <laughs> Would not be the first time. Previously on Table Reads. Our film opens with Indiana Jones fishing in a lake or maybe a lock in Scotland. He is immediately interrupted by a bunch of cops screaming to the vacationing archaeology professor that they need his help because they have found a corpse. Needless to say, this makes no sense in any movie and even less in an Indiana Jones movie. From there, they go into what appears to be a haunted castle where Indy leads the police around exactly like the Scooby gang. Two of the policemen promptly vanish and turn up dead, and Indy ends up outsmarting a dog before getting into a lengthy battle with two empty, possibly, suits of armor. We left off with the police bursting in and arresting the ghost (laughs) behind it all. Fade in. He did get progressively madder as he got deeper. <laughs> <laughs> he, he got smarter than a fucking dog. <laughs> what the fuck, ghost? Arrested a goddamn ghost, ghosted spookman. <laughs> to be fair, I was I was real mad when I wrote that. <laughs> He's over there tweeting hard, like motherfucker. <laughs> All right, so ghostly spookman yeah, is that what you said? Spooky ghostman, I spooky think is what I called him. <laughs> I think he has a name. That's his brother, Ghostly Spookman. <laughs> Ghostly Spookman. Uh, oh, no. Uh-oh. Uh, I went back to the first page. No, don't do that. I definitely don't want to Reading do that. Reading it again. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> Lick the blood. <laughs> I taste Damn blood. you, iPad. <gasps> Exterior castle. Why? That's too loud. I'm sorry. Yeah, we're actually coming down from the battle. Uh-huh. Exterior castle. The villagers surround the castle. They're... Wait, I am in the right place, right? Yes, sir. Okay. 
Their bright torches are raised high in the air. Baron Seagrove is led out of the castle by Indiana and the police. The crowd begins to whisper, anxious, excited. As the Baron is led to the police vehicle, he turns and looks at Indy. The Baron speaks in a trembling, raspy voice. His eyes are wild. No jail can hold me. A chill rushes through Indiana. The Baron turns, continuing to the police wagon. One of the villagers shouts. He's done it! Indiana Jones has captured the killer! That line does not belong in any Indiana Jones movie ever! What year in Hogwarts were you channeling? (laughs) (laughs) He's done it! He's done it! It was a little bit more Monty Python. (laughs) I like it. You know, I, I liked that read. What I didn't like was the line. <laughs> Indiana Jones has captured the killer. Point me out one other time when Indiana Jones has captured a killer. He usually kills them. Like, he'll shoot them or knock them off a plane or no ticket. Or they're Nazis. Yeah, right. He got a book signed by Hitler one time. Out of book burning. I'm so angry. <laughs> <laughs> the crowd cheers. Indiana gives a humble nod and wave. Yeah, in that, like, embarrassed, like, I don't know how to respond to this because this is not a situation that I ever imagined myself being in because I don't belong in it. I wonder if he still has the twitching fishing hat. Uh, no. No, he does, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he had, he didn't go and change his hat. No No, way he kept that hat through the fight with the dogs. It fell off. Yeah. It fell off. Yeah, a fish got it, remember? Because he's like, oh, now they bite. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) I I was actually imagining him now going through that entire fight scene with that fucking shitty hat on. (laughs) That makes it better. They're trying to get the bait. Change the lore. Change the lore. (laughs) McGowan shakes Indy's hand. Indy glances to the police vehicle. Indy's POV. Baron Seagrove climbs into the back compartment of the police vehicle. Galbraith closes the vehicle doors. The Baron is still visible through the vehicle's windows. He lights a cigarette. It appears that the match flame shines through the Baron's body. It's as if he were a ghost. (laughs) You call it, Jeff. I did it. Spooky ghostman. (laughs) (gasps) <gasps> Gasp. <gasps> Sorry. It gets worse. <laughs> Indiana turns to the others, eyes wide, shocked. Ghosts. I hate ghosts. Why did it have to be ghosts? <laughs> <laughs> but it is obvious that no one else has seen the apparition. McGowan notices the pale expression on Indy's face. Which of us was McGowan? Was it me? I think it was Josh. Was it? No, it was uh, It was me. I did the really shitty Scottish accent. That's right, accent. go ahead. Oh, shit, again? <clears throat> Wait, where am I at? McGowan. McGowan. What is it, man? You look as if you've been screaming, seen a screaming banshee. Okay, he's in Scotland, right? Yeah, I don't know. Ban- banshees are do? Irish folklore. Well, Those two countries are not interchangeable. 
Well, oh, this guy's it? a fucking racist. Chris <laughs> Columbus is a racist. Ghosts don't respect borders. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they're racist towards the ghosts. That's a goddamn banshee. <laughs> Chris Columbus is like all white people are alike. Asshole. <laughs> they all like the fish. <laughs> <laughs> Archaeology professors or Scottish <laughs> Irishmen. They all fish. He wrote this on a fishing boat. That's it. Indy points back to the police vehicle, but it has already departed. It drives over a far hill, disappearing into the night. Indy sighs, turning back to McGowan. Uh, it was nothing, Mac. Nothing <clears throat> at all. Yeah, call him Mac. That's original. Did, did they just put a ghost in the paddy wagon? <laughs> no, 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 no. It was a police vehicle. Yeah, because a paddy wagon would be Irish, and we wouldn't make that mistake here. <laughs> paddy wagon. I just love that there's a ghost. Like in the, <laughs> they got a book of ghosts. <laughs> Where does this story? Follow the car. <laughs> That's a better movie. I want to see him getting fingerprints. Right. <laughs> Don't put me here with no goddamn ghost. <laughs> Camera dollies into Indiana's troubled, uncertain face. The Baron's laugh fills the soundtrack. Slow dissolve. Exterior, Marshall University. A few days later. Early afternoon, a rainy spring day. Students run to the university doors, protecting themselves with textbooks. Interior, Indiana Jones's office. Rain splatters the window of this cramped, cluttered room. Crooked stacks of dog-eared textbooks and papers nearly reach the ceiling. The spindly bookshelves are stuffed with various archaeological relics and instruments. Animal and bird skeletons, fossils, primitive statues, etc. Sitting at a small wooden desk amidst a mountain of term papers is Indiana Jones. Indy is wearing a brown three-piece suit and circular wire-rimmed glasses. In one hand, he holds a student seat assignment card as he hurriedly reads through the term papers. He furiously grades each paper. To make matters worse, the office is crowded with ghosts. Oh no, sorry, I was... <laughs> the office is crowded with students NF <laughs> With countless others pouring out into the hallway All of the students are anxious to get inside They are badgering, complaining and moaning at Indy Dr. Jones, I took your class instead of all the others That's not how college works <laughs> I could have had uh, Professor Needles, Professor Eisenschmidt, Professor... You promised. You said you'd have them graded by yesterday. My paper finished yet? Name's Virgil Vector. That's Virgil. Capital V-I-R. My parents paid good money to send me here. Do you know how much they shelled out for your class? He doesn't care about us. He only wants fame and fortune. We're just a bunch of peons to him. Capital V-E-K... Indiana continues to grade the papers, trying to ignore the verbal assault. This would never happen anywhere. Why are they in the room while he's grading? These? Yeah. <laughs> he just pulls a Tommy gun, starts shooting into the sky. <laughs> like, 
Who the fuck is like, oh, office hours are when the fuck ever. Like, when I'm grading papers. That's my office hours. Just stop on by and we yell at me. We paid money for this. <laughs> yell at me while I'm grading term papers. Or maybe they are ghosts. <laughs> and my, my parents will kill me. Again. <laughs> Do you know how much my parents shelled out for your class? Well, it's 1937, so what, eight bucks? 20 bucks. <laughs> Indiana continues to grade the papers, trying to ignore the verbal assault. Betsy Tuffett pushes her way to the front. Betsy is Indy's student assistant. She is 21 years old with thick, luxurious black hair, bright brown eyes, and a small-framed athletic body. Betsy is a tough, brash, a Brooklyn kid. She moves close to Indy, her hair brushing his cheek. This music really setting a different tone than I think we're trying oh, to... Yeah, somebody's about to get an A. Indiana is very tense. Yeah, I am. Continuously working on the term papers. Uh... <clears throat> Guess I'll be Betsy. I, say, I don't really have a good girl today. <laughs> I think it'd be I'm funny if you tried. from a cold. <laughs> Hello, Indy. <laughs> Brenda? Large mod sent you. Dr. Jones. <laughs> Dr. Girlfriend? <laughs> That's how I'm playing Betsy. No, I'll do Betsy. Okay. <laughs> Hello, Indy. <laughs> Dr. Jones. Not now, Betsy. Look at all those papers. Please, I... Want me to come by later? Help you grade? Help me grade, yeah, sure. Goodbye, and <laughs> Dr. Jones. She exits. I fucking hate her already. Yeah. Worst indie female... Indie girl? Let's call them indie girls. Ah. Is this the same one that was batting her love you eyelashes at him in Raiders, where she was like closing her eyes and you know like, what? love you? You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes. That's her. <laughs> I bought you a new tackle hat. Now she's his, his student assistant. <laughs> I yeah, brought you some his worms. TA. Character progress. <laughs> she exits. Indy sighs. Again, the obnoxious student shouts. Did you get the name? Virgil. Capital V-I-R. Professor Thad Priestley enters, pushing Virgil aside. Priestley is a young, wisecracking, greasy-haired acquaintance of Indy's. He shoves a photograph beneath Indy's nose. Moby Dick. Huh? I don't know where I'm going. That's what I named him, Captain. That's what it said, the biggest fish he ever saw. Indiana glances to the photo. It is a picture of Professor Priestley dressed in a fisherman's outfit. <laughs> <laughs> White people at it again. <laughs> Oh my god. We named the fish Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That was a good one. <laughs> Shit. I needed that one. <laughs> uh, oh, the music cued is, in really well there. <laughs> it is a picture of Professor Priestley dressed in a fisherman's outfit, standing on a pier holding a giant fish. Indy steams. Priestley gives him a manly slap on the back. What about you, Jonesy? You were over in Scottyland for two weeks. Did you catch the big one? Look, Priestley, I'm real busy. Indy is suddenly interrupted by a hard slap to his face. Shit. He looks up. A beautiful blonde student, Rebecca, stands over his desk. She screams, furious. 
two timing, bastard! Indiana rubs his jaw, startled. Rebecca continues. How could you? My own mother? In my own bed? Slaps him again. I've had it with you! It's over! I don't know why she talks like that, but it's fun. She, 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 you fucked her mom! Like, <laughs> How'd she find out? Mom's like, yo, you're <laughs> Yo, I fucked a fisherman. Your boyfriend. He knows you're an archaeologist. He, I thought you were just a fisherman. He knows how to move them worms. <laughs> Dig for bones, Mr. Jones. <laughs> Priestley hides his chuckle. Rebecca throws a shirt that obviously belongs to Indiana on the... As in Indiana embroidered on it. <laughs> that obviously belongs to Indiana on the desk. It's, it's covered in fish and tech. No, it's just got, it's just got an X marked on it. An X on it. <laughs> It's got like the the dashed lines all over it. <laughs> it leads right down to his dick. If fa- if found belongs in a museum. Bum, ba, dum, bum, <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> uh where's the shirt? Uh on the desk. Uh shirt that obviously belongs to Indiana on the desk and storms out of the room. Indy shakes his head and continues working. The students are still harassing him. A loud voice echoed. I'm sorry. The students are still harassing them. She came in, slapped him in the face twice, called him a two-timing bastard, and no one's like, oh, I'm just... Ah, this is... I'll be out here. V-I-R-G. Virgin. Who'd he two-time on? Rebecca. He's fucking Rebecca. He's fucking his student? He's and, fucking his student and, the and mom. her mom and her mom and probably and be- his TA and probably obviously Betsy, yeah. and V I O G I N they used to be ah! <laughs> that's why he can grade all these papers so easily like fuck her a <laughs> a <laughs> uh, students are still harassing him. A loud voice echoes through the room. Special delivery, Dr. Indiana Jones. A burly postman stands in the doorway, holding a thick, enormous brown envelope. Oh. Indy motions to the postman. The postman tries to make his way through the crowd. This is silly. <laughs> you two-timing bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Slap. <laughs> Guys, we're in a tiny office, and we have introduced <laughs> no less than a dozen individual characters so with names. And there's another one coming up in the next line of dialogue, I see. <laughs> this is out of hand. Now you know how he feels. <laughs> and he, he made Harry Potter just because there were enough characters in there for him. <laughs> He named them all, called them all by like, name. He, he was reading the book going, oh my God, there's so many characters. Thank I can you. do this. And they're all in one classroom. Because my favorite part of filmmaking is casting. <laughs> I'll spend six years casting this. Come play pretend with me. Makes his way through the crowd. Indiana goes back to his grading, but is suddenly interrupted by a loud tapping noise. He looks up. Dean Claude Coventry, a stately elderly gentleman, wraps a steel ruler on Indiana's desk. The Dean is upset, very serious. Dr. Jones, I've had several, I've had complaints from several of the students. The postman interrupts, dropping the heavy envelope onto Indy's desk. The postman shoves a yellow paper in front of Indy. Sign here. Indy signs. 
Dean Coventry continues lecturing. They feel that you are ignoring them, that you are distracted. Indy gives Postman the signed paper. Me? Distracted? What's this, B+. Plus? That's how you sign your name? Indy grabs the paper. He's signed a B plus on the line where his name is supposed to appear. It's actually pretty cute. Indy crosses out the grade and signs his name. Professor Coventry still lectures Indiana. Marshall University is not the place for sloppy behavior. At that moment, Indy opens the envelope. A large amount of water pours out. That's a delivery. Water. <laughs> now Chris Columbus doesn't understand how envelopes work. It's one of them bubble wrap ones on the. In 1937. <laughs> yeah, they were ahead. This this is like U- UPS. <laughs> I had. Just. Why is any of this happening? I don't know why any of this is happening. She's so upset. <clears throat> a large amount of water pours out of the mail, <gasps> saturating the papers on the desk. This is followed by an enormous dead trout. Yes! It flops onto Indy's desk. The students exchange startled and nauseous glances. Indiana removes a waterlogged note from the envelope. It reads, A McGowan's word is truer than an angel's kiss. Indiana uses a tissue to wipe some of the water from his desk. Dean Coventry shakes a finger at Indy. I have one final warning for you, Dr. Jones. The phone rings, interrupting the Dean. Indiana quickly answers the phone. A fuming Dean Coventry impatiently waits to finish his threat. Indiana speaks into the receiver. Yes? Oh, hello, Marcus. Look, can you hold on? Back to Dean. You were saying, sir? Either you begin concentrating on your... Yes, Marcus, I'm still here. Just hold on. I'm, I'm very sorry, sir. Concentrating on your teaching duties or... Damn it, Marcus, I'm standing here with Dean. What? Just how important? It is, huh? Okay, five minutes. Yeah, I'll be right over, but this better be important, Marcus. Indiana hangs up. He gives an embarrassed look to the furious, red-faced Dean. You are on probation, Jones. Ten days. If there are no impro- is no improvement, you will be dismissed. The dean storms out of the room. Indiana gathers the wet papers. He begins to exit the room, explaining to the students as he makes his way through the crowd. I promise by tomorrow I'll have all of these graded. And dried. Indiana continues making apologies and excuses. The obnoxious student again shouts at him. Virgil Vector! Capital V-I-R- F. Virgil stares at his paper, adorned with a large red F. Indiana exits the room. Take that, Virgil, and thank you for leaving this room. Good God. Interior, history museum, prehistoric room. That's what they call it. When you walk in, it's just got prehistoric room above the... (laughs) This is the the prehistoric area. This is the history museum. This is the prehistory museum. (laughs) 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 The origin of history. (laughs) It's just a big question mark in the middle of the floor. (laughs) I don't know what happened. (laughs) It's a history museum. I'm sure. (laughs) The large room is filled with skeletons, fossils, and statues dating back to the dawn of man. 
Indiana, his arms cluttered with soaking term papers, hurriedly enters the museum with Marcus Brody. Marcus is very anxious, excited. He carries a 16mm metal film canister beneath his arm. Indiana is very impatient. His eyes dart to a full-size skeleton of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. A Tyrannosaurus Rex from the Dawn of Man? It's a Tyronosaurus Rex if you read it that correctly. That is Tyronosaurus. <laughs> oh, it is. Tyronosaurus. So it's <laughs> It's just an awful Australopithecus named Tyrone. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. V. No, but seriously, let's go back to where it said dating back to the all caps Dawn of Man. Here's a fucking dinosaur. Chris Columbus does not understand Indiana Jones, male, white people, Scotland and Ireland, fishing, or museums and time, <laughs> and cheating on women with their mom. I'm super excited what how Marcus explains the way that he was on the phone saying, Indy, meet me at the History Museum. I've got a movie we need to watch. <laughs> <laughs> finally came in at the blockbuster <laughs> 16 whole millimeters <laughs> oh i'm glad you rushed over i guess i could have been getting this on the projector while i waited <laughs> but nah beat him halfway <laughs> this better be important marcus or the museum will be soon displaying my bones my teaching career is in danger of extinction God damn. you will not be disappointed indiana Hey, you know how Indiana Jones is always making those puns, right? You know how he's into puns and like he says them all the time? That's true. Yeah. Fuck you, Chris Columbus. Right, a lot of This is fishy. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all laughed more at that than you did the one that was written. This is some fishy mail. <laughs> <laughs> Something's fishy and it's none of these girls. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Smells like your mom. <laughs> I'm going to read too- so he can stop talking. <laughs> Cut to close up an ancient painting. <laughs> the watercolor features an upright wrinkled face. Sung Woo King, the stone monkey king. But the monkey is not made of stone. He appears to be half human, half monkey. His face is wise. His coal black eyes are penetrating. He wears a lion skin robe and holds a tall golden hooped staff. Sun Wukong. I said king before, didn't I? I, I meant Sun Wukong, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Sun Wukong stands amidst a garden of luscious ripe peace trees. He is surrounded by a heavenly glow, a bright ray of light that emanates from an opening in the clouds. Look familiar? Camera pulls back. We are inside of the museum boardroom. Marcus holds the tattered painting before Indiana, who sits at a desk, still feverishly grading the wet term papers. After he finishes each paper, Indy pins it to a nearby bulletin board for drying. He glances to the painting of Sun Wukong. Sun Wukong, that stone monkey king, big deal. That was ten years ago, Marcus. Going back to the papers, wanting to change the subject. Jeez, this Heller kid's got the worst grammar. Ten years or fifty years, it will always be in your blood. Don't believe this. He spells repeat with two E's. Think back, Indiana. Remember your desire, your passion, 
Remember you were holding a 16 millimeter film canister, not a painting? Kid gets what, an A what on... What the fuck is this? <laughs> Kid gets an A on content, a D on form. <laughs> I didn't know how hard is too hard to slam. Damn it, man. You can't bury those feelings forever. Indiana finally looks up from the papers. He glances at Marcus, then looks at the painting. Camera dollies into Indiana's face. He becomes very serious, somber. His eyes are empty. (laughs) Memories of failure fill his head. Two years. Nearly two years of my life looking for the remains of that monkey. A piece of his legendary golden hoop rod or some sign of the lost city. Nine men perished on the journey. Rest of us nearly died from starvation or one of the many horrible diseases we discovered. (laughs) Diseases. We still came back empty-handed. One mustn't give up so easily, Indiana. Now he's threading the projector, so the film does come into it. Give up. Marcus, we spent 13 months in China, another seven in India. But none in Africa. Oh, well, you got me there. There was no proof, archaeological or anthropological, to indicate that Sun Wukong ever visited Africa. Until now. Marcus turns off the room lights. This is hey. footage. This is footage of Sun Wukong <laughs> in Africa. Like, <laughs> passing in a welcome to Africa sign. Oh! Also, he's looking for a half monkey man. Wearing a lion skin coat. He's looking... He spent two years of his life looking for a half monkey man from a painting. I mean... He got some good-ass drugs. Guys, guys, I need you to help me with something. Yes, sir. You know I work in the film industry. That's true. If I tell you at any point in the future that I'm being offered a position on a Chris Columbus film... Yeah. Stop me from taking that job because no. I will go to prison. No, <laughs> I'm 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 going to harm this man you bodily could, if I'm in you, the same room. You with could him. improve it. You could fix him. Yeah, he's a broken man. Yeah. Hey, my papers. <laughs> he won't look up at Sean. Sounds like <laughs> make better movies. He's like I'm grading papers. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember your Indiana Jones script? Capital I N D. That's what Sean brings with his resume. He throws down the Indiana Jones in like an iPod with table reads on it. We read this shit. Come back. You owe me. Come back. Call me in five hours when you finish this. Tell me I didn't fix it. Oh, God. Uh, until, okay, Marcus turns off the room lights. You you already read that line. I didn't know what you were Yeah, I was fucking with you. Hey, my papers. (laughs) Hey, my papers. Marcus starts the projector. A black and white image flickers on the far wall. We see a pygmy standing in what appears to be a grassy area. The pygmy's name is Taiki. He is adorable. A little over four feet tall. His body is taut, muscular. His long black hair is shaggy. His eyes are wide and bright. Almost childlike. His face is cute, impish. You are describing a child. Mm. Covered with a very inquisitive expression. Taiki's energy is boundless. You're 
It's a child. It's not a pygmy. It's a child. This is a, a textbook normal child. He cannot stop moving. How do we know his name is Tiki? His name tag. <laughs> we see a pygmy. Uh, pygmy's name is Tiki. <laughs> That's how we know. <laughs> he cannot stop moving. Standing beside Tiki is Dr. Claire Clark, 32 years old. <clears throat> a tall, strikingly beautiful woman. She is commuting, communicating with Tiki in sign language. The woman is Dr. Claire Clark, the famous zoologist. She works in Africa, studying animals in their natural habitat. Very interesting, Marcus. Now, if you'll turn the lights back on. Three weeks ago, Dr. Claire, Dr. Clark discovered the cute little fellow Tiki, a pygmy of an unusual race, related to an unknown, related to, unrelated to any known African tribe. Marcus, the lights. Dr. Clark believes that Tiki comes from the lost civilization of Sun Wu Kung. Indiana pauses. He stands, walking closer to the flickering image, suddenly interested. What? But how did Miss... Doctor. Dr. Clark, how did she arrive at such a preposterous hypothesis? The pygmy speaks in a language that has no African origins, but bears a strong resemblance to Chinese. It means nothing. The rivers of Africa have been plagued by various oriental pirates and scavengers since the 16th century. Not much evidence, Marcus. There's more. The pygmy was found wearing an ornamental peach stone around his neck, believed to come from Sun Wukong's legendary garden of immortal peaches. I'm done. Marcus, there are countless undiscovered African tribes, all with various obscure beliefs and practices. One tribe may wear peach stones, another may wear banana peels. I like that he put a, a parenthetical in there of smirks. <laughs> like... Yeah, I'm Chris Columbus. I'm going to tell Harrison Ford when to smirk. Yeah. <laughs> Smile when you're talking about fruit, Harrison. <laughs> when you're talking about my stones. <laughs> Pete stones. Indiana walks back to his papers. Marcus pauses. There is one final bit of evidence. Enlighten me. The pygmy is over 200 years old. Indiana adjusts his spectacles. He stares at the black and white image. The cute pygmy appears to be in his mid-twenties. He walks to the camera, staring into the lens. Tiki examines the ca camera with curiosity. That's impossible. Dr. Clark has done a considerable amount of testing on the pygmy's clothing. His sandals, everything was over 200 years old. He's probably wearing his great-grandfather's stuff. And then she cut him in half and counted his rings. Ah! Ha! <laughs> Tiki tree. Camera pans back to the projected image. Tiki begins to unscrew the camera lens. The picture goes out of focus. The film runs out. Marcus turns off the projector and flips on the overhead room lights. Indiana gives Marcus a puzzled look. What does all this have to do with me? Dr. Clark wants to, wants to mount an expedition to find the lost city of Sun Wukong. She is quite familiar with your reputation. She'd like you to come along. No chance. There will be money involved. The museum is willing to fund the expedition. Sorry, Marcus. I've burned this bridge. Indiana turns and begins to walk out of the room. Marcus calls him. Indiana. Indy turns. He waves the papers at Marcus. Marcus, please. 
I've got to finish these. You've got to finish something much more important. You crossed the threshold over a decade ago, and it's been tearing at your insides ever since. My friend, if there's even one lot iota of truth in Dr. Clark's findings, then you can lift the, the veil of mystery that has surrounded the Chinese legend for centuries. You may uncover the secrets to a lost civilization and possibly to man's never-ending search for immortality. Indiana stares at the painting of Sun Wukong. Indiana, can you afford to pass up the single most important adventure of your life? Indiana has no answer for Marcus. Indy picks up the painting. A thrilling expression slowly covers Indiana's face. His eyes glimmer, filled with a long-lost excitement. The soundtrack music soars. Cut to. Table Reads will return after this brief word from our sponsors. What's up, docs and docettes? Trevor Thompson, the self-appointed Looney Tunes critic here, and if you like old cartoons and watching online reviewers dissect them, then you probably said the same thing I did about two years ago. Hey, what the fuck? Here, watch your language, you bud. Every Saturday morning, I do a brand new commentary of a Warner Brothers short. All throughout the month, I do video essays examining the history of these cartoons. Catch my videos on youtube.com slash ferriswheelhouse2 or just use the hashtag Looney Tunes critic. And now, here's Eric Bauza, the new voice of Bugs Bunny. You've been listening to the Looney Tunes critic. Ain't he a stinker? Lights, camera, action. So the movie's kaput, which means your script ain't worth the buffalo shit on a nickel. Now, back to table reads. I'm sorry I keep interrupting so much, guys. It just... It's still bad. There's... The ghost is gone. The whole Scooby-Doo-ness of it is gone. They put him back in his natural setting as an archaeology professor. And yet, it still doesn't feel like Indiana Jones at all. No. This is so interesting that this isn't like an artifact. Like, Indiana Jones' legends always built off the MacGuffins. And then this one, they're just like, there is a monkey man running around. <laughs> and he's like, Doc, Dr. Clark, the famous Dr. Clark, who I'm telling you, you already know who she is. <laughs> like, he's just dropping all this bullshit about this monkey king that has never been discussed in any of the indie movies where he's like, oh, them two years in the monkey king forest. Yeah. And what year did did Temple of Doom take place? I don't remember. Alexa might know. Yeah, but I muted her. Oh. <laughs> uh, you guys talk real quick while I look that up, because I'll be Kelly today. So uh, I'm really enjoying the, the, the office scene was, was insane, but I do like that they, he didn't try to spend too much more time there than the rest of the fucking movie. It felt like a cartoon I would see on Saturday morning. Right, like, or is he so, is he so like disillusioned by artifact finding now that the guy's like giant monkey king? He's like A, C, <laughs> F, <laughs> boo, oh. I am a professor above all. <laughs> I'll look that shit up later. Fade in. <laughs> he didn't like my type five on the Indian shows. And we ran out of music. It's like what the fuck? Ooh, Let's get going. Worth it. Close up, the stack of term papers. The papers are slightly crumpled, 
still wet. A drop of water hits the papers. Camera pans upwards. Betsy Tuffett, Indy's student assistant, assistant, sits at the desk grading the papers. She is crying. Her falling tears soak the papers. We are inside of Indiana's apartment later that evening. Indiana stands in the background. He's hurriedly packing his bags. His familiar gun, hat, and whip lie on the bed beside the suitcase. <laughs> All right. Um, da, 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 da. Enter police. She's, cry- <laughs> <laughs> She's crying. There's a gun and a whip on the bed. <laughs> I was his favorite student. Put it in your mouth. Put it in your mouth. Indy notices that Betsy is crying. He walks to Betsy. Indy puts his arm on Betsy's shoulder, attempting to comfort her. Betsy snaps at Indy. You can't do this to me! Come on, Betsy, relax. You're getting them all wet again. That's what she said? That is what she said. You just can't go away. I mean, Africa is so far away, and, well... I love you, Indy. How we agreed this was supposed to be casual. You got what happened last night. Casual? My dear, a momentary lapse in a passion does not a love affair make. Momentary lapse? So that's all I am to you? Betsy shoots to her feet, walking off screen. Betsy, wait. You know what? I really feel like this Indy... This womanizing indie in this script is going is more like a a Willy Wonka going. Betsy, wait. Betsy, wait. <laughs> I can't believe he fucked so many of his students. Like all of them. Yeah, I mean, the, if they're hot, like he's like, yep, wonder in that temple, right. like, hanging students. <laughs> At least in the this is my final conquest. Yeah. <laughs> At least in the movies, he was like, uh, there was still that teacher thing where he's like, no, like bad feelings. And then he'd just go fuck somebody in another country. Yeah. Yeah. And this one, he's like, he just, this indie fucks. <laughs> <sighs> Indiana sighs. His eye catches one of the temp- term papers. He begins to read, making a few corrections. We see Betsy's hand removes Indiana's whip from the bed. Hmm. Indiana continues to correct the papers. Suddenly, there is a creaking noise. Indy turns. His face goes white. He runs off screen. One end of Indiana's whip is attached to an overhead (laughs) lamp. What the fuck? (laughs) Oh, no. Camera pans down the whip. The other end has been formed into a noose around Betsy's neck. She stands on a wooden chair. She kicks away the chair, suddenly gagging. Indiana grabs Betsy in midair. He takes the noose from her neck and places Betsy on the floor. Why is Kelly not here to weigh in on this fucking bullshit right here? (laughs) 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 And the thing is, Chris Columbus thinks this is cute. You know he does. He's like, oh, she's going to try to hang herself with his whip because she's so in love with him. And you know it's true because Josh hit me with this next line with everything you got. What's the matter with you? Trying to ruin my whip? Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Yes! 
Guys, this <laughs> might be the script that breaks me. This is great. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the last episode of Table Reads. <laughs> you stupid bitch. Created and ended by Sean McBee. <laughs> Hang yourself with a curtain like the rest of them. Yeah, right? <laughs> You forgot to put your name on the on the on the wall. What's his next line? Like, there's a fucking gun right there. <laughs> Here, I'll cock it for you. What a what a way to leave your apartment. Like, you've got tickets to Africa. Like, <laughs> police walk in. There's a girl trying to hang herself. <laughs> Shit! If you're gonna do this, don't do it in my apartment. I believe in ghosts now. <laughs> Here's a number to Marcus's. You no, no, no. You she crazy like, dame. She jumps off the chair. She jumps off the chair and she like as she passes up. And then she turns into fish and just splashes out of oh, the floor. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I think we missed a little bit, though. Indiana grabs Betsy in midair. He takes the noose from her neck and places Betsy on the floor. And then he says, what's the matter with you trying to ruin my whip? <laughs> if I can't have you, I don't want to live. <laughs> <laughs> Indiana tosses the whip into his suitcase. He pulls up the chair and forces Betsy to be seated. He pours her a tall glass of bourbon. Drink this, you'll feel better. Indiana walks to his suitcase, continuing to pack. His back is to Betsy. She raises the glass to her lips. She pauses, reading a message on the bourbon bottle. It reads, Danger! Contents flammable. Betsy beams. An idea. She lifts the bottle over her head and begins to douse her body with the liquid. Oh, boy. Wow, this is getting really bad. This is amazing. Self-immolation now? I mean, he is going to... He's trying to find the Chinese monkey king. Right, so Warner Brothers was like, have you guys read Chris Columbus's uh, indie script? It's real great. He's going to be the perfect choice to direct some kids' movies. <laughs> this is the guy for Mrs. Doubtfire. Because we want Mrs. Doubtfire to, like, end up murdering her kids, right? And just eating them. Oh, hello! Hello, children! Aren't you just delicious? No, seriously, you look fucking delicious. I'm going to eat you. She's the original Moaning Myrtle. <laughs> Yeah, Kelly would be pretty mad. Yeah. Yeah, she'd be fuming. About what? She'd be fuming. She's, uh, Josh, <laughs> you're fired. Oh. Uh, da, da, da. I'm going to have to make her listen to this now. <laughs> sure. All the crazy dame needed was to get drunk. <laughs> that fixes everything. <laughs> Especially when these women have the vapors. Straight whore. <laughs> Indiana is busy folding his clothing. Suddenly, we hear the flick of a matchstick. Indy turns. He sees the bourbon-covered Betsy preparing to light her body on fire. Indy dashes forward. He blows out the match, moments before it sparks Betsy's clothing. Indy shakes Betsy by the shoulders. You know, how you do with a woman! <laughs> Come on, Betsy, get a hold of yourself. You're young. There are a lot of other guys. Not like you! That's true. <laughs> but that's no reason to stop living. Besides, I'm too old for you. By the time you're 75, I'll be... Yeah, that'll be disgusting. Indy turns and finishes his packing. Betsy sighs. She notices an enormous stone African urn. 
The 150-pound antique sits atop a section of bookshelves. Is she going to try to cave her skull in? Meanwhile, Indiana makes certain that his gun is packed. Good boy. (laughs) He places the familiar hat on his head and begins to close the suitcase. Close up, the African urn. It is wobbling, shaking, moving closer and closer to the edge of the bookshelves. Camera pans to the floor. Betsy lies there, directly below the trembling urn. Betsy shakes the bookshelves, causing the urn to tilt and shiver. The urn is nearly halfway off the edge. If it falls, the urn will crush Betsy's head. This scene is like a sequence from an old Mickey Mouse newspaper strip from like the 40s or the 30s. There was literally a week where every day Mickey tried to commit suicide in a different way. It's really the best Mickey Mouse work there is. Like, I I know how they were going to try to like shoot this scene like it's hectic. Like she tries to hang himself and then he's like, stop! And then runs back. Like a suicide comedy. Right, right. Yeah, you know, those are so popular. (laughs) I also love that he's like... It's just a standard suicide comedy scene, guys. Come on. He's got his suitcase and he's like, whip, gun. I got a plane to catch. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you'll be fine. Just go out in the world feeling like this. It's fine. Here, drink this bourbon first. (laughs) Not my girl, not my problem. Indiana struggles with closing his tightly packed suitcase. The urn falls, headed straight for Betsy. Indiana suddenly grabs the urn, in midair, inches before it strikes Betsy. Because when something weighs 150 pounds, you You can do that. Grab it out of the air. Jesus Christ, I didn't didn't remember that. (laughs) Inches before it strikes Betsy, Indiana rests the urn on the floor. He helps Betsy to her feet. Betsy wraps her arms tightly around Indiana. Here, let's go just have a bath. I'll make you, I'll, I'll bring you a toaster so you can make some toast to comfort you while you take a bath. <laughs> Everything will be fine. <laughs> Don't leave me, Indy. India, Indiana picks up his suitcase and tries to walk. No. Indiana picks up his suitcase and tries to walk to the door. But Betsy's arms are still tightly wrapped around him. Finally, Indy stops. His eyes burn through Betsy. Look, you're just a flighty kid. Twenty minutes after I walk out this door, you'll have a date with the college Romeo. Two hours from now, you'll be madly in love with him. By tomorrow, you'll forget I ever existed. You'll never forget I exist, Indiana Jones. That ass. (laughs) That should be the next line. (laughs) Christ. Hurt, Betsy removes her arms from Indiana. He gives her a quick kiss to the cheek and hurriedly exits. Betsy glares at the closed door. A tough, angry expression covers her face. Never underestimate the determination of a Brooklyn girl, Dr. Jones. Never. (laughs) So, yeah. Hold on. Let's just work through Chris Columbus's characterization for a moment. Oh, boy. He introduces this character as... Tough, a Brooklyn girl. That was all in caps. You remember that? Mm-hmm. And then, like the instant, the instant, he doesn't want to like marry her and live with her forever and have eighteen kids. She's like, I know, I'll murder myself. That's the tough Brooklyn thing to do. And also, 
in just the most horrific ways imaginable. I don't see... I'm seeing all the descriptions coming alive. She was determined, not once, not twice, but three times. The gun and the whip were right us. next to each other, and she chose the whip. She Exactly. Tough Brooklyn. <laughs> Tough Brooklyn What girl. are you, some kind of pussy? What's going to take just the gonna, easy way out and shoot, gonna shoot yourself? I'm going to no. hang myself. I need a little bit of time to go. Also, do they have a noose-tying class at that college? She just tied it. tied that real fast. Oh, that, like, she knew about whips. And like... <laughs> <laughs> That's why they got together in the first place. She's like, I can see the headline now. <laughs> Brooklyn girl killed by 150 pound South African. <laughs> Earn. Earn. <laughs> Earn's on the second page. Doused <laughs> <Dallas> in <laughs> <Dallas and> bourbon <laughs> with a whip hanging from the ceiling. David Carradine's apartment was raided last Thursday. Cremation scheduled. Ash is expected to be put in the urn. <laughs> <laughs> Another one for the shelf. He <laughs> <laughs> has the giant. <laughs> it's just for all the women who self-immolate. He's got to clear out that office somehow. <laughs> <laughs> he learned a little too much from his encounters with Hitler. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> like, look, if you want to kill yourself, just go open the ark already. Fuck. <laughs> Nothing beats a good bourbon burning. <laughs> Dissolve 2 Longshot An ocean liner Longshot Is this movie ever getting made? <laughs> uh! The silhouette of the ship Sails across the water A beautiful orange sky Fills the background Indiana Jones Stands aboard the ship's deck It is a typical 30's luxury ocean liner Filled with vacationing tourists Indiana stares into the sunrise. His face is a study in concentration and intensity. He anxiously awaits his adventure. <laughs> Our hero waits for adventure <laughs> patiently <laughs> on a cruise ship. <laughs> Here we see our hero patiently standing, knowing that just Three short weeks from now, <laughs> he'll be on the adventure of a lifetime. Exhausted from being stoic. <laughs> Holding a tiny, delicious fruit punch Mai Tai with one of those tiny little umbrellas. <laughs> Dissolve 2, Map of the World. A moving red line traces Indiana's journey across the ocean toward Africa. The red line comes to a stop at Mozambique. Exterior. <laughs> Central Mozambique. Bira. A hot sunny afternoon. Chief port on the coast. Chief port on... Oh, this is the chief port on the coast. It's his name. Port on the coast. Hey, port yeah, on I the coast. Was What's a going on, bro? chief was a title. Yeah, yeah. But this is the... Is what should have been there. Chief port on the coast. Gateway to the Zambezi River. River. So I got through Zambezi just fine. <laughs> Zambezi. River stumped me. The Zambezi Reavers. Three of my <laughs> Gateway to the Zambezi River. River. <laughs> <laughs> Gateway. Da, da, da. <laughs> Gateway to the Zambezi. Drink this, River. you'll feel better. <laughs> 
<laughs> Supply ships, sailboats, and rafts line the marine. Just a guy on a raft. <laughs> this is the only way to get down the reefer. <laughs> How do I go? Oh, no! Line the marina. The docks are <laughs> crowded with various merchants and sailors unloading their goods. Small shops and restaurants clutter the waterfront. Behind them are rows of one-story low-square homes. Tall, healthy palm trees surround the area. An ocean liner has anchored along the shore. Several passengers exit from the ship. Indiana steps onto the ocean liner's exit ramp. He is unshaven, wearing his traditional leather jacket and hat. Indy looks around, expecting to meet someone. Indy, it's me, Betsy! (laughs) What the hell? That would be great. Indy's POV, the dock. There is a loud car horn. Crowds of pedestrians leap out of the way. A rusted yellow Model T barrels along the rickety dock. The word taxi is crudely painted on the car's trembling doors. The car's tires are wobbling, loose. Thick black smoke pours from the cracked exhaust pipe. The ancient car rattles and grinds. Upon seeing the car, Indiana smiles. At the foot of the ocean liner's ramp, the car screeches to a stop. Scraggy Briar, Indiana's friend and guide, the one we're introducing for this movie and we'll never see again, just like Short Round, jumps out of the taxi. Scraggy is a rough, unkempt African man, an elderly fellow with the energy and vitality of a youth. His snow-white hair and beard are wild, spiked. He wears tattered, dirty clothes that are many sizes too large for his skinny body. Homemade crocodile sandals flop on his feet. Scraggy suddenly breaks into a wild grin. He spots Indiana. Scraggy shoots up the exit ramp, running through the crowd of people. Scraggy stops a few feet in front of Indiana. Scraggy waves his arm before him as if he were blessing Indiana. Following this, Scraggy leaps into Indy's arms. Indiana cradles Scraggy like a child. Speaking with a Portuguese accent, uh uh-oh, Scraggy exclaims, (laughs) Shit, I gotta commit to this. (laughs) I don't know what the fuck a Portuguese accent sounds like. I know it's kind of Spanish. Is it? Yeah, kind of African, yeah. but also not. Well, not in Africa. Like Indy, at last we are reunited. Oh, Kachingo, got a friendship. I thank you for granting my wish. I don't. I don't know. Are if we it's okay with me committing to okay that? that. I don't know. That's about all I got. Except I'm for just fine me. with that. I'm. I'm more. <laughs> well, godly Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Scraggy. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm more baffled by this, like, weird hero worship that everybody has for Indy, except right. for the Dean, of course. Right. And Virgil. <laughs> Virgil Virgil was autistic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> V-I-R. <laughs> I'm lettered, you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> but just the six. <laughs> Indy rests Scraggy's back onto the ramp. Oh, Indy... Not Scraggy's back. (laughs) 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 All right, let's get to this banging. (laughs) Let me lay you down. It's been a long three weeks. (laughs) Indy rests Scraggy back onto the ramp. Scraggy moves to assist Indiana with his luggage. Before picking it up, 
Scraggy raises his arms over the baggage. Again, he blesses the suitcase. Scraggy then picks up the bags. Indy chuckles. I see you haven't changed, Scraggy. Mahutmek, god of goodness, say, before body make contact with foreign object, you must cast out bad spirits or... Or bad spirits will enter your body. Yes! You have excellent memory, Indy. I should. Last time we saw each other, you made me wear the same clothes for three weeks straight. Never separate body from clothes, or bad spirits will hide in your pockets. In other words, if people never changed clothes, there would be no evil in the world. Exactly! (laughs) I missed all your crazy philosophies, Scraggy. They're not so crazy, Indy. These days, there is much evil in the air. I feel it. Everywhere. Indian Scraggy continue to walk down the ramp, moving off screen. Camera pans to a few feet behind them. Camera stops as the screen is filled with a large, blazing red swastika. <gasps> Scraggy! Cam- camera pans <laughs> upward. We see that this is the sleeve of a German soldier. Camera stops on the face of Sergeant Helmut Gutterbug. Oh my god, what a name. <laughs> it is Gutterbug. Sergeant Helmut. Sergeant Helmet Gutterbug. A thin, skeletal Nazi. He resembles the Angel of Death. We all know what the Angel of Death looks like, right? We've seen him. A Nazi. Gutterbug's face is narrow and sunken. His deep-set eyes are a frightening light blue. His complexion is pale and motionless. His hair is blonde, stringy. His right arm appears rigid. It rests stiffly at his side. Gutterbug follows Indy and Scraggy through the crowd. The Nazi removes something from his pocket. It is a tiny mechanical item. It resembles a cockroach. We see that it is a mini radio transmitter. Gutterbug whispers into it. Are we making contact? I'll be Gutterbug. Oh. Because I want to do a German accent. Okay, will you you also be Claire? No. Damn it. Yeah, you, sure, I'll be clear. You okay, be, yay. You, you, you be clear. Good trade. I'm not going to no, be just be women. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, you, no, 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 you're not. You're women you, and Nazis. You do a good German accent, so this is, I'm, this I'm is, excited. This is German with English subtitles, but I'm just going to read it in a no, German accent. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Oh, we're making contact. The mechanical... The oh, we can't the get out of The mechanical roach's <laughs> eye blinks red. Gutterbug gives a chilling smile. Meanwhile... Indiana and Scraggy arrive at the taxi. Scraggy begins to secure Indy's baggage to the roof. Indy opens the rear door of the cab. He begins to climb into the back seat. He is met with a swift kick to the stomach. He falls to the ground, the wind knocked out of him. Scraggy runs to the open door, scolding the person inside. Dr. Clark, why you kick Dr. Jones? Dr. Claire Clark steps out of the shadows of the car. We recognize her from Marcus's film, but she is even more beautiful in person and in color. She is the same age as Indy. Her hair is bright red. She removes her glasses, revealing sparkling green eyes. She is very prim, very proper, but extremely intelligent and quick-witted. She is dressed in khaki. We've got a redhead and no Kelly. God damn it. You hear me, Kelly? I'm mad at you. Because you're not here. Deserter. He's upset. Deserter. That's what I do. I get upset. It's like my whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) He's an emotional guy, man. She is dressed in khaki slacks and shirt, like an indie girl must be. (laughs) 
She speaks in a slight British accent. She hurriedly assists Indiana to his feet. Dr. Jones, forgive me. No sweat. Thought I was being attacked by a degenerate sailor. No, just a degenerate archaeologist. Your appearance is deceiving. Likewise. They exchange a handshake and a smile, immediately attracted to each other. Indiana Jones! Calling passenger Indiana Jones! Indiana turns. A ship porter walks through the crowd, pushing a large barrel on a dolly. Indy waves to the porter. The porter stops in front of him. You left this aboard ship. There must be some mistake. I didn't. The porter points to a section of the barrel that reads, Deliver to Dr. Indiana Jones. That's you, ain't it? If this is more fish, I am going to burn my house down. I hope it's Betsy. Please be (laughs) me. Oh, (laughs) all right. I'm shooting for fish or Betsy. This is going to be good. Well, yeah, but... Mm. Dr. Porter drops the barrel in... The Porter. (laughs) The doctor. (laughs) Doctor Dr. The Porter. Porter. (laughs) The Porter drops the barrel in front of Indiana and hurriedly walks back to the ship. Sergeant Gutterbug continues to spy on Indiana. The Nazi hides a few feet away in a dark alleyway. What the fuck? (laughs) A puzzled Indiana begins to open the barrel. Scraggy shouts a warning. Indy, remember Mahutmek, god of goodness, before body make contact with foreign object. Indiana ignores Scraggy and begins to pry open the barrel. You must cast out bad spirits. Indiana still ignores Scraggy. His struggles with the barrel are... He, he struggles with the barrel top, flirting with Claire. May I call you Claire? Please. Well, Claire, we've obviously got a lot of notes to compare. Let's get started tonight, over dinner. I'd like that very much. A friend of mine owns a cafe. He'll get us a nice, quiet table. No disturbances, just the two of us. At that moment, the barrel lid flies off. The inside is, if filled... With old brown <gasps> banana peels. Suddenly, Betsy's yes! head pokes through the peels. Indiana is shocked. Scra- I hope it's just her head. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> she decapitated herself and mailed her head to Indiana. In a barrel. <laughs> hope this helps you find your monkey. Uh. Suddenly, Betsy's head pokes through the peels. Indiana is shocked. Scraggy sighs. I warn you, Indy. You must always cast out bad spirits. A dirty, unkempt Betsy leaps out of the barrel. She throws her arms around Indy. (laughs) My precious! Oh, my God. Your daughter? My assistant. His girlfriend. A child. It's nothing, really. What the hell are you doing here? Proving my love for you. How terribly sordid. Puppy love. Skirl ghoul. Skull girl. Skull girl for sure. (laughs) Skull girl. (laughs) Skull girl crush. She'll get over it. Never. This proves that nothing can come between us. Not an ocean. Not two separate continents. I think I'm going to be ill. How? I mean, how could you stay alive? Hey, I'm from Brooklyn. And that solves that. But we have been sailing for three weeks. Stowed away in a banana barrel. Ate my way to the bottom. Charming. (laughs) Hey, Indy, who's the babe? Your intellectual and emotional superior. Oh, Whoa. shit. What the fuck? Also, kind of writing, cold is, bitch. God. Is writing. Damn. Jesus. 
She, yeah. <laughs> she well, didn't even need that match anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, you're getting on my nerves, Miss... Miss... Dr. Claire Clark. Betsy Tuffet. <laughs> As in Curds and Way. Listen, sister. You better stay away from Indy. I don't know how I didn't hit on this voice immediately for her. Dude, you're crushing the Harley Quinn transition. I, I love I'm it. fucking it's digging great. the shit out of it. <coughs> Listen, sister. You better stay away from Indy. My dear, he has no interest in me. I've already celebrated my 10th birthday. Oh, shit! Indiana shoots Claire an angry glance. <laughs> Indy removes a wad of bills from his pocket. He gives them to Betsy. Look, Betsy, why don't you get back on the boat, this time as a passenger? Too late, Indy. Scraggy points toward the ocean liner. The boat is several feet from shore. It sails back out to sea. Indiana steams. When's the next one out? Two weeks. Indiana grumbles. An amused Dr. Clark gets back into the car. Indy shoves Betsy inside. He is furious. Before Indiana gets into the car, Gutterbug steps out from the alleyway. He tosses the tiny mechanical cockroach at Indiana. The roach attaches itself to Indy's trouser leg. The tiny transmitter is very light. Indiana can feel nothing. He gets into the car. Scraggy blesses the taxi and gets into the driver's seat. Gutterbug watches as the battered Model T drives off. The Nazi turns walking in an opposite direction. The camera follows Gutterbug. Gutterbug as he enters a seedy waterfront hotel. Fade out. This is like... Okay. So... Fuck. Just... Fuck. Josh, did you read ahead? Only like two lines. But to find Betsy, though? Or did, was that a no, blind no, no. guess? No, no, no. That was it, a blind guess? That was a blind guess. Wow. Yeah, that was a guess. Nostradamus over here. Shit. Flostradamus. Flossin. Jostradamus. <laughs> Jostradamus. That's it. There you go. <laughs> I don't know shit about anything. I forgot. Congratulations, Josh. You you uh, beat this script. Oh, I win. You outsmarted it. I win the script? Yay. Also, that porter knew that bitch was in there. That's true. He put that thing down and he booked. He's like, I'm out. He's like, y'all got some shit to deal with. She was arguing with the banana peels. (laughs) What do y'all think that Sergeant Gutterbug is thinking with the intel that he just gathered from spying on them from a distance? (laughs) From the alleyway? He's like, (laughs) (laughs) he's like, He has smuggled a small child. <laughs> Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones is very astute and very, very into the panties of the young women. He's very cheap. <laughs> he has managed to uh, to have a woman love him when he will not buy her ticket. <laughs> he instead ships her... Big pimpin'. He, inst- he instead ships her in banana peels and then gives her money. <laughs> Wait, she ate her way to the bottom. So presumably, oh no, 
as she got further down, she got covered in more shit. And there piss. was more shit and piss in those bananas <laughs> that she was <laughs> eating. Like, wait, no, bottom up. This sounds like the like hell. Movies, like movies, need to remember that people do go to the bathroom. It, Three and it's weeks complete, of your own waste. Complete pitch black darkness and a banana barrel. And all you do is eat bananas. It's what the, it's what the Nazi dude's looking at. He's like, this girl got out. She's just covered in shit. Who's mine for her? We're going to win the war. We, we found Gamora. Sergeant, report. Uh, <laughs> either the Americans are hopeless or they are more devious and terrible than they we can very, possibly imagine. They will love your shies upon. <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for more of this guy because I'm really looking forward to reading him as hair star. I think you got another one coming up that you can you can rock that German on. <laughs> Just be all the Germans. I, I, I like German. I'll do German. Right. He yeah, has like an entourage, it. I think. Hey, Jeff. Yes, sir. You are not on social media. No. That's your plugs done. Josh, yes. go. I am Josh Baker. I've been making lots of fucking videos lately. I got like three contracts over the past week. So Jeez. if you want, if you also want some video work done, you can send me an email. M-E, me, at joshuajbaker.com. I make commercials for Instagram, social media content, whatnot. And I also do voiceover on the side. All right. Do you want to film a fantasy of your girlfriend committing suicide and then you shove her in a banana <laughs> no, no, barrel? No, 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 no. Call Josh Baker. I don't make videos like that, Jeff. He has, Not anymore. He has B-roll of banana barrels. I'll tell you. That's that's the name of the video, actually. Banana, banana barrel, barrel B-roll. <laughs> banana <laughs> barrel B-roll Betsy. There's a Nazi in the corner. Guys, you can follow us on Instagram at The Table Reads, on Twitter at The Table Reads, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Table Reads. And if you want to know any place where you can get this podcast, go to TableReadsPodcast.com slash listen. We have a list of dozens of links where you can get this show on any platform you like and subscribe. Uh, so do that. Come back next week. We will be here for you. And until then, we will miss you. This podcast was created by Sean McBee. For more, visit TableReadsPodcast.com. Cut to black.